This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 66. Uh, I have no idea what to do. Of the in-between podcast where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel Lim. And I'm Christina M. All right, Christina. What was that all about? Well, <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but there are many times where I have to make decisions and I am stumped. Yes. Well, on big decisions or small decisions? Or is well, there a difference? Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that more later in the episode. But really, if you think about it, we are inundated with so many decisions. Right, Daniel? Yeah. <laughs> Man. Our world is changing so fast. And I know that can kind of sound cliche to talk about, but when you look at just the rate of change, I mean, change used to be measured, especially with our kids watching what Little House on the Prairie. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's just, what did you do today? I caught a pig. (laughs) (laughs) And then what? I made cheese and I did this. And I was like, what? (laughs) Right. That's all. It was survival. Yeah, it was survival. And the pace of life was just a lot slower, which meant innovation was slower and change was measured more in the sense of centuries. Right. What are the big changes? What's the biggest change in the last century? Or we got a car or we got the printing press or we got and it was measured by centuries or decades. And as our culture has just continued to speed up and everything is speed up, you know, the Internet of Things and all that that we see, it's changes now measured not just by decades, but by and not even by years, but sometimes by weeks and by days and in some cases hours Mm -hmm. so in light of all that that all just means we have more and more choices to make do you know how many choices an adult makes in a day daniel is like if i'm gonna brush my teeth or not is that a decision is that a choice okay i don't know i mean hundreds no 30,000 is Thir- what they're saying. No, I was like maybe 3,000, 5,000, They're saying 30, about kids, kids make about 3,000 choices a day, wow. but adults make about 30,000. I guess just in a commute, when you're just driving, that's probably a lot of decisions right there. Right. Am I going to cut this person off or yes, not? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Am I going to keep my cool or... Gonna... <laughs> exactly. Am I going to give a polite honk or a long, loud yes, one? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so if y'all are feeling decision fatigue, now you know why. Yeah, I can't believe that. Now, when you think about the 30-something thousand decisions we make, I mean, some of those decisions are, hey, what do you want to eat for dinner? It's not, it's not just what even you have in your refrigerator or where you remember driving, but you can have anything delivered to you now. Exactly. It dropped off straight to our door. So small decisions like that. And also with a lot of work going to work from anywhere. And as long as you have a computer, you can do a ton of work. Yeah. So it's just change. All that to say change is just super fast. So we need to think about how we make decisions. So for those who are experiencing decision weariness... Or for those who may hold the decision-making process far too tightly, Hmm. we wanted to give y'all a few keys to help you in your decision-making process. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So first of all, just as we get started, we just wanted to remind you that if you live in the West, decision-making is a privilege. 
Mm, that's a very good point, Dean. Yeah. What do you and, mean by that? And and if you live in a place where the unemployment rate is relatively low, then decision making is a privilege. There are some, for example, some European countries that you would go visit. Greece, for example, where it's like they would not be able to make the same types of, uh, types of decisions that we do in an economy where the unemployment rate is so low, mm-hmm. right? So when you think about that, and that's just Greece, right? I mean, there's, <laughs> I mean, the rest of the world. I mean, we are in the minority here in the West. Yes. So when you think about that, in many parts of the world, there are just not many opportunities to, to decide because the decision is made for you. Mm-hmm. So whether that be because of poverty or whether that be because of the amount of government control that uh, is taking place, so yeah, sometimes those decisions just cannot be made. You don't make, you might not even know the decision exists for you. So I remember informing our girls of what a privilege it is for, to go to school. Yeah. <laughs> Especially right. being girls, yeah. right? Mm. They even have the opportunity to choose which career path they want to take or which post-secondary schooling they want to pursue. And this is really not a case for everyone. And so we don't want to bring up this point to guilt y'all, but we think it is a powerful reframing of the situation. So perhaps instead of putting so much pressure on yourself of having to make a decision, perhaps we can reframe the process into one of a blessing and gratitude. Oh, I like that. I like that. We get to make the decision here, right? Exactly. We get to make the decision, (laughs) not necessarily have to make the decision. So hopefully in this episode, this reframing is going to help you release some of that tension surrounding that big or small decision or many small decisions that you might be facing. So let's start with the first one. So I think one way is that we realize people make decisions differently. Hmm. And that also means your spouse will most likely have a decision-making process that may look similar or may look really, really different from what you have. And that's okay. (laughs) This is so true. And this is one of the things that I love teaching is that we often teach the way that we've been taught. We parent the way that we've been parented, right? We date and we relationship and we connect with the opposite sex the way that we've seen it happen unless we consciously do so otherwise. So all that to say, we have these things called normals. And unless we recognize that our normal is not actually everyone else's normal Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, we're in for continual surprise and not delight but conflict because not everyone sees the world the way you do completely i think a huge realization for us was when we learned about the enneagram and the orientation people have to time so if you refer to episode 51 we have a great interview with drew Mosier, and it's a wonderful introduction to the enneagram for those who are interested so there are certain numbers that focus more on the past which are four five and nine right the present six one and two or the future seven eight and three so for us enneagram threes we're both enneagram threes our focus is on the future which is interesting because we've had so many conversations about the future i feel like i feel (laughs) and it's funny because i feel like anytime we think about the future Mm -hmm. or talk about the future there's just so much for us to talk about completely that that we can't even watch tv because we're thinking about the future and all the different avenues of where this decision would take us or that decision would take us yes we definitely get wrapped up in what the future may look like for us Mm -hmm. so but imagine daniel if we didn't have the same orientation to time what if hypothetically you were always looking to the future and I was always looking to the past. That 
would be an interesting dynamic, I think. You know, so let's let's talk with the big about the big decision first, right? So in big decisions, if you're thinking about the past, mm-hmm. you're probably thinking, okay, when have we made decisions like this before? Yes. Or is this going to help us get back to that state or that? Because oftentimes when we look at the past, we're just overcome with nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Right. And nostalgia is you mi- minimize the negatives and you enhance and you overemphasize the positives. So maybe there's a lot of that comparison going on. Right. And maybe if you live in the past, it's just harder for you to think about or maybe conceptualize what you don't know is mm-hmm. right. What you don't mm-hmm. know the future mm-hmm. might be. Whereas for people who like to live in the future, it's easy for you to think about that and for you to place yourself there. So, and especially I think if let's say I was thinking always about the past, I may remember some really bad decisions that we have made Mm. and thinking like, oh goodness, I don't want to do that. I don't want to think about the future because that it's like almost, what if this is a self-fulfilling prophecy? Yeah, yeah. And if let's say one of the spouses was, was rather than being past focused, was present focused, maybe it would be really hard for them to move or make decisions yeah you are really content with where you are or you just want to think about where you are here and now yeah it's it's fascinating as we've been wrestling through this and i was like maybe that's why we've been able to move around so much that's true (laughs) we have i think we've lived in like six or seven different cities three different countries yeah everywhere yeah that i wonder if it just wouldn't have been able to work out that way if one of us had a different orientation toward time right we also realize now both of us have you know enneagram threes we're both thinking of the future but there is differences there definitely are nuances because we are individual people i feel like i'm really quick to make big decisions uh, but i don't necessarily really care about small decisions or maybe even deeper than that i have a harder time making them because i would rather keep peace with you know, things like where to eat or yeah. what music to listen to, you know, maybe that's considered easygoing. I think that's all wrapped up. Or into you just that. like, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like you choose. I don't care. Okay. But what do you mean by you're quick to make big decisions? Like, give me an example that of a big decision that you were quick to quick to make. So, for example, when we were processing and discerning the opportunity to come to Nashville, I said no right away. <laughs> That's what you mean. Okay, yes. Okay. Big decision. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're here. Yeah. And then, and then, thankfully, for God's grace and mercy uh, and other people speaking into m- my life, maybe realizing, okay, I was too quick to make that decision. Mm. I need to maybe find out a few more facts <laughs> and a few more things things okay that would legitimize the yes or the no okay so is that a matter of slowing down when you're making big decisions exactly okay exactly yeah and i think i've also had to realize that maybe my quick decisions which are usually no are rooted in fear and Mm. the fact that I maybe don't trust God in every area of my life, frankly, and being like, well, no, I want to protect myself. I want to protect my family, you know, so on and so forth. I want to protect what I know and love now. Yeah. And so I'm not willing to go there. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's been fascinating. The more the longer we've been married and the more decisions we've had to make, especially big ones. Right. It's just been interesting to see how we both make decisions differently. 
I mean, when it comes to small decisions, you mentioned where to eat, what music to listen to. You're right. You really don't care. <laughs> There's been like a handful of times where I'm like, well, usually when I'm pregnant, I think I'm like, you get me that $15 watermelon. We were yeah. living in Korea at the time or yeah. else you will not be ahead and of me. And the blue Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The banana chips, all that weird yes. stuff. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I find when it comes to decisions, mixing up Enneagram and Finder. Strengths Finder, one of my themes is intellection, which means I'm always thinking and I've learner as well. So a lot of times at work and at home and even when it comes to right now, we're recording in our office and we did our built ins, but I haven't built it in. You know, I built the bookshelves, but I haven't built it in yet. And it's because I've been thinking, well, what's the best way to do this? And also, what's the easiest way and most cost-effective way to do this as well? Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking, you know, and it's not that I just kind of placed it there and I stopped thinking. I was like, no, what can I do? Or how can I do that? Or when can we do it? And I'm always thinking through it to the point where when I have researched enough, man, I can make decisions like left, right, and center really quickly. Yes, you can. And a lot of times, because I'm constantly learning and growing at work as well, it's like, oh, I'll hear a situation and I'm a good problem solver where I'll hear all the sides. I'll ask questions, questions, questions. I was like, okay, well, here are the decisions. Now, <laughs> when it comes to big decisions, it's a completely different story. When it comes to bigger decisions, I do often take a lot longer and it's, it's hard for me to pull the trigger just because it's, I feel like there's so many implications around it. And so many avenues to research, yes, right? exactly, exactly. So that's the first point that we just need to realize that people make decisions differently. And here's the thing, everything that we talk about in between.org slash episode 66, you can go see the show notes. But, but really, if you're listening to this episode yourself, and your spouse, because we did this survey and we know that some of you, the majority of you are listening to this by yourself and there, but there are many of you that are also listening to it with your spouse. So if you are listening to this by yourself, just think about this for yourself. Think about, Hey, how do I make decisions? How does my spouse make decisions? The next time you go on a date, a lot of this content can actually be questions that you ask on your date. That's a great idea. Yeah. Even better. Ask your spouse to listen in as well and then have a conversation around this too. So let's let's remember, because I know a lot of times you guys are working out or doing this or doing that. You're on the move as you're listening to this podcast. So the first thing is we need to realize that people make decisions differently. And the second thing is just to do the next right thing. Yes, I love this phrase that Emily P. Freeman uses in her book, The Next Right Thing. We'll link it in the show notes. This book has been revolutionary in helping me make little and big decisions, and I feel like it would really help y'all too. So the premise of the book is that sometimes it's just too difficult to figure out the whole picture and make a decision from that. You're right, because every decision can change everything else. Yes. There's so many different variables there. Yes. And really, we can't control the outcome, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Like we want to, and we want to have this, you know, even thinking about it, if we can think of every single avenue, in some ways, it's an issue of control, mm. right? We want to, but we cannot, we can't control the future. So instead, Emily Freeman suggests that we just do the next right thing which can lead to arrows pointing us in a certain direction. It's, it sounds too simple, though. Right? Just do the next right thing. It does. Thing. But I encourage y'all to practice this. Okay, okay. Really, What does try. that look like, so, practically speaking? Okay, so let's use a simple example. Okay. You're trying to decide what to do for dinner. Hmm. 
So the next right thing may be to go into your fridge, open up your fridge, and look at the ingredients. Okay. So that's the next right thing. Then after that, the next right thing may be to plug in those ingredients into Pinterest and to search recipe. Wait, what? Yeah, you can put in like... That's a thing? Yes, you can. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. You can put in... I mean, you think about Pinterest is uh, is basically a Search pretty... engine. Yeah, it's a yeah. pretty Google form, right? <laughs> and so you put that in and then you'll see pictures of like all that stuff. Wait, 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 wait. So I could put in old zucchini. I probably don't do old, you know, but I could, <laughs> yeah. I could do almost going old moldy zucchini <laughs> or is this a cucumber, right? And then... <laughs> salami and cheese and tomatoes right and, and you know what? You'll, spit- pro- you'll probably get a charcuterie board <laughs> <laughs> right? not with the zucchini that's kind of gross oh you could board. make zucchini chips as part oh. of your do you know what i mean so it's like instead of sometimes i know that okay, can be yeah. so overwhelming especially when you're hungry or okay, the kids are okay. crying or whatnot so your next right thing maybe instead of just trying to search for a recipe and then be like oh no i don't have this ingredient and this ingredient and this ingredient i have to go to the store the kids are crying they're tired i am wearing my pjs okay so instead of I doing that just do the What's the next right thing? Okay. And those are like arrows pointing. Okay. Right? But for me, the next right thing is always getting ramen. Well, there you go. But is it really the right thing? Well, maybe it's if the it's, next thing. you know, the, it's been a week and a half and you've only eaten ramen, maybe the next right thing may not to be. Yes. However, if you built into, for example, we have a few meals in the freezer mm. that we just have that are quick and easy. And when we're tired or stressed or, you know, there's just too much going on, the next right thing will to be pulling out. The The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber and author of the Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. That frozen okay. pizza. Okay, this okay, I this makes a lot of sense. Now, what if what if you're planning to move or mm-hmm. let it let's say what if your spouse has gotten a job offer? Right. What is the next right thing? Like how cuz that's a big decision. Yes. So right. what's it yeah, how does that And work? I think that is will be different for everybody. Okay. Yeah. Right. So the next right thing, like let's say for me, okay? Yeah. The next right thing would be to not say no right away. Okay. Because that's my instinct of like no like no way Mm. and then the next right thing after that may be to read a job description like you know what i mean so it's like steps and through that let's say we read the job description it's like you're not allowed to have children yeah (laughs) well then that you know okay no this this makes a lot of sense the arrow is pointing towards no okay so this is an interesting way to approach discernment and decision making because based on your orientation of time and based on fears that you might have and vices as well, sometimes the job offer might be like, oh, yes. Oh, it's completely yes, because you're enamored by the title or you're enamored by 
the company car or the pay increase or whatever else that you might get Mm -hmm. and you go immediately to the benefits or you go immediately to oh wait a second that means there's gonna be so much more travel no 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 because obviously we can't comprehend something as big as that in an instant Mm -hmm. so i really like this approach to just do the next right thing and christina for us a lot of times that next step also includes us coming to God in prayer. Oh, completely. Right. And saying, okay, God, this is what I think. This is what I have gathered. But what do you think? And what does obedience look like to him? Mm -hmm. I love the illustration of Psalm 119 uh, verse 105 that says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. (laughs) I remember, I I think it was probably like Sunday school or something. And, you know, back then you don't understand what it actually means to have a lamp. Y'all have just have like this big flashlight and you're like, oh, I can see, you know, so many yards away. Yeah, or the LED lamps. Are exactly, crazy <laughs> exactly. That can like burn someone's retinas. So, but then I remember a teacher took out like a little lamp, like okay. an oil lamp yeah. that they may have had and turned off the lights. <laughs> and it's like, I can't see very much in front yeah. of me. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to literally put it up to someone's face to see the outline of their face. Yeah. So it is showing us that like, you know, we may not have God may not reveal a hundred steps to us. Yeah. He may literally just reveal the next step that we're supposed yeah. to take. I love that. I love that. So in making decisions, we need to, number one, realize that people make decisions differently. Number two, we got to do the next right thing. And three, we have to have a no person in your life. Mm -hmm. But Christina, I always, when you're making big decisions and you want to do something, you want a yes man. You don't want a no man. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So I remember hearing in high school the term yes man in political science. And it's a term that basically means someone who's always agreeing with you, Hmm. even if they don't agree with you. Right. So yeah. at first, like you're saying, that sounds amazing, it does doesn't sound it? Amazing. Someone yeah. who always has your back. Yeah, of course. No matter never, what. Exactly. Is never going to tell you that you're wrong and you never feel like you have to prove anything because you basically have a crowd waiting to jump to their feet in a standing ovation for whatever decision you make. <laughs> Which is awesome, except when you're wrong. Yes. And everyone follows you to that wrong. Yes. Remember that like <laughs> lemmings game as yes. a kid oh, and like one goes goodness. off and they're all like, do the lemmings game why would you go down that hill again (laughs) it's been a long time since (laughs) i thought that (laughs) that's awesome right so that is a downside right because if people are only cheering on and saying yes to us we are not going to see our own blind sides yeah and what if they knew it what if they saw it but they just didn't warn you because they're afraid that you're going to get angry And not only you, but they're also affected by it as well, right? Mm -hmm. Because every decision is not, cannot and does not happen in isolation. You might make it in isolation, but it doesn't just affect you. It affects everyone around you. Right. And I think also, I don't know about you, Daniel, but I feel like sometimes I can cater the information that I tell people about a certain decision because I want to, I want them to say yes to me. Right. I want them to be only knowing the good sides of decision, not like the bad sides. And so I only share the good sides. So having a no person in your life is that person who is willing to ask you the tough questions and who is willing to say no to you Mm. if they think that it's not going to benefit you. Now, a side note about that is 
y'all need to make that decision and appoint a person to be a no person. That's right. You need to be able to give them the power to say, I know that you love me and I trust you and you know me really well. So I want to give you the permission to say no to me if whatever I'm bringing up, like you look at it and you're like, this is going to lead to destruction, girl. Yeah, no, that's really good. Now, what what are the what's the criteria around that? You'd have to really trust the person and and trust that they have your best intentions yes, in mind. Yes, that too, they're right? for you and not against you completely. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So I think this is especially important to me because I'm so quick to say no, right, Daniel? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so my no person or my no people are actually the ones that are saying, uh, "Wait a minute, Christina. Yeah, maybe you need to rethink your no." What if God is actually calling you to this? Yeah, it's so true. So going back to our story about discerning if we should come to Nashville or not, I, when Daniel brought this decision to me, this opportunity, I said no. I was so scared. That's what, it, And I texted one of my best friends who used to live in Nashville. She lives in Europe now. And I said, listen, this is what's come up. I am so scared, like, um, because everybody has guns. Like, that's what Canadians think about the South. But everybody, (laughs) yeah, everybody has guns. It's dangerous. There's school shootings every other day. Yeah. You know, I mean, unfortunately, there's a little bit of truth to that. But that's what I was basing my decision on. I'm like, no, I can't protect my kids. I don't feel called to homeschool. And if we're walking on the street, is someone going to shoot us? Hmm. And so I remember her saying, Christina... There are far more dangerous places that God could call you to. And that was like all I needed, really. And I was like, oh, okay. Instead of saying no, I need to surrender. That's so good. So in addition to having a no person in your life, we also need to realize the importance of naming, right? Because sometimes we may feel stuck in our decision making and we're not quite sure why. Right. I mean, do you ever feel like you're just feeling something, but you can't really put your finger on it? Mm -hmm. I feel like this is how we felt when we were trying to decide if we were going to have a third child. (laughs) Yeah, because I think that's the only child we decided to have. Yes, our first two were... Blessings. Yes, yes. God's blessing <laughs> yes, in his exactly. perfect timing. Exactly. Not in our perfect timing, but in his. Right, yeah. right. And so when it came to having our third. Yeah. It was like, how do we make this decision? Yes. <laughs> I think, I mean, for me, I was quick to say no when both children were sick or I didn't sleep very well the night before. I'm like, no way. Yeah. I cannot handle anymore. And also for me, it was like, wait, wait a second. We have, we can actually sleep through the night now. Mm-hmm. Wait, there are no. We're out of diapers. <laughs> I know. We can go to the park. Remember that time yes. in Edmonton where we went to our neighborhood park and you didn't have to bring a diaper bag? Nope. I brought keys. That's all I brought. And I was like, well, this is it. Yes. Yet we <laughs> had another baby. like the epitome. <laughs> And it's been amazing, right? It's been amazing. Yes. But for a long time, I mean, there's almost a four-year gap between the second and the third. For a long time, we flip-flopped and we prayed about it and we made pros and cons lists and we talked to people about how how did you know that, you know, (laughs) your family was complete or how did you know that you wanted another child? And both of us would just go back and forth on circumstances. So we... 
first decided that we wouldn't make any final decisions surgery wise. Yes. Yeah. Until both of us were on the same page longer than a week, because that's what it seemed to flip flop. <laughs> yeah. So after lots of prayer and reflecting and thinking and journaling, we realized that what was preventing us from making the decision was fear. Both girls were born during really difficult times. And we were afraid that somehow when we had our third child, the difficult time would come again. And I forget precisely when that realization happened or in what circumstance it did. But when we realized that and when we realized that, hey, actually, we can't make this decision out of fear. Mm -hmm. And then when we also realized that out of the ashes, God has brought about beauty. Exactly. We're like, okay, well, God is in the business of redemption, right? He is a redeeming God. So we were able to name it. And by naming it, right, by naming that fear, we were able to finally deal with those feelings and surrender that to the Lord. Yes. And what a beautiful gift we have because of that surrender, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. And actually, Makarius' name in Greek means blessing. So I really enjoy what Emily Freeman says here. You could be at an end of a season, a struggle, or some other kind of goodbye. Is this the ending you wanted? Is it the one you hoped it would be? Are you feeling disappointed, nervous, indifferent, relieved? Look at all these, then call them what they are. There is power in naming the unnamed things. This is an important part of our decision-making practice and key to taking our next right step in love. Remember, today is a plot point. See it honestly for what it is, but don't confuse the moment for the whole story. That's so good. That's so good. And this now brings us to our last point around decision-making, which is all about waiting, which is actually the worst thing about decision-making. <laughs> but waiting is a good decision. It is actually a decision, and it's a good one too. Yes. So my dad is an amazing salesman, and he has taught me a lot about the power of yes and how important it is for the person making the decision to buy in by having an emotional investment into the product. Mm. So people don't buy products, they buy stories. But he has also told me about buyer's regret and how sometimes the best thing to do when wanting to buy something because you just feel all those emotions like pushing you, but you're really unsure about if you should buy it or not, you need to walk away. So just leave it in the cart and don't do like two-day free shipping. <laughs> <laughs> right. Do I actually Just need close this? the app, <laughs> right? So never buy something under pressure because you will probably regret it later. And mm. that's what my dad, um, who's been a salesman for, you know, 30 plus years, says to me. So this is a valuable lesson that I think spans much further than buying a product. When making big decisions, sometimes all we want is the final product, right? Yeah. We just want it to end. Yeah. Just give yeah. me the good life. <laughs> And we want it to be the right decision, one that doesn't bring us heartache or pain or misery, mm. one that makes our lives easier. So we quickly or impatiently run through the steps to get to the other side. Yeah, it's we just want to short circuit it, right? We just want to get the shortcut and get through yeah, right the, to the end. The drive through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> However, as I think all of us can attest to when we're making decisions, there will often be times of waiting. And sometimes that might actually be our next right thing. Yeah, and there's a lot to learn in the waiting. And that waiting, there's a lot that God can do in your heart and in your life. And sometimes it can prevent you from having those heartaches. 
and making the wrong decisions and seeing everything in perspective because you've learned the in-between, right? Uh, not in-between, yeah. the in-between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so for example, right? It's like I have, we recently bought a ceramic grill. Mm-hmm. So I've been learning how to smoke, right? Our neighbor was like, wait, you're smoking now? I was like, no, 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 that, not that kind of smoking. <laughs> the grilling smoking. Yeah, the grilling smoking. <laughs> Finally, after four and a half years living in the South, I have believed the i don't i'm not going to say myth of barbecues before because <laughs> barbecue is actually really good yes agreed <laughs> but the thing about smoking is it just takes a long time there's a lot of waiting but when you look at that so for example i did a a pulled pork today put it on at 8 a.m i mean it was going all day mm-hmm. our poor dog was <laughs> like dying <Yeah>. but <laughs> that smell we, like putting that in for an hour or two in the oven or doing it in a crock pot or do, I mean, it is just the flavors. It's Completely just agree. night and day yet. There was so much more waiting as it was being smoked. Yet you look at that, right? You look at the difference between heating something up in the microwave mm-hmm. <laughs> versus heating it up the proper way. There's just so much about our lives right now where we want to live in the instant and we short circuit and perhaps actually cut out a lot of the joy that God intends us to experience if we had really just waited. Completely. And I think for me, in my personal experience, as I look back in the times that I've waited or have not waited, I think that a lot of times my next right thing would have been just to ask another question. But in my rushing I didn't care about questions. I just wanted the answer. And so I ran towards the answer. This is so convicting. Yep. <laughs> right. When it been. Oh, yeah, just I want it over. I didn't know when I signed on the dotted line that that's what yeah. this all meant. Yeah. It was just like, I just want to make a decision. I'm too tired. Let's just get this over with. Right. Yeah. Waiting would have been the much better decision. Completely. So I love what Emily P. Freeman says. When we live our lives quick hurried and hustled we are prone to linear categorization but that's the way of robots not humans our hard decisions become our speed bumps and thank god for that decisions are his way of saying i love you it started with the garden when he gave adam and eve every tree except one because he wanted them to be free our choices shape our lives and they shape us but we remain in god's hands no matter what (sighs) okay wait a second that is beautiful when when god gave adam and eve every tree except one but so often and the way that the way that satan twisted that was Mm -hmm. that oh look you can't have this like this is the one that you can't have Mm -hmm. rather than changing your perspective and look at and, and looking at wait look at all that god has given you right this one thing is minuscule compared to everything else that is out there right how powerful it is for you to just shift your perspective to reframe things around decision making so we hope this decision has been helpful for you where in making decisions we need to realize number one that people make decisions differently number two that you just got to do the next right thing number three to have a no person in your life number four the importance of naming and number five that waiting is a good decision too so we hope that you enjoyed the podcast we do hope that you would share it with your spouse share it with some of your friends i know we all know people who are making big life decisions 
about moving or transitioning、mm-hmm. or even smaller ones like what to have for dinner. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> we would be honored if you would share this episode on the podcasting app. On your podcasting app, you can just hit share and text that link over, or you can just give them the link in between dot org slash episode sixty six, where you'll find images and all the resources and everything else that we talked about. On this episode, all right. So that does it for episode sixty-six. On episode sixty-seven, Christina, what are we going to be talking about? We are going to be talking about why your kids need to be bored this summer. Awesome. We'll catch you guys next week. This episode is brought to you in part by the Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries podcast. Do you want to grow in your influence? Bow's episodes feature tips for leaders of any kind. From mentoring one woman to leading a ministry, browse Bow's podcast at beyondordinarywomen dot org.